Hey guys, welcome to the Popcorn Junkies. Um, we are reviewing a movie called The Marvels. Marvel Cinematic Universe film. We haven't done one in a while. When was the last one? What was the last one? Was it Ant-Man? Quantumania? Mm, our superhero films in crisis. Okay, right at the beginning here, if you haven't, do subscribe. We review every kind of film available. In the next couple of days, we're going to be reviewing Saltburn. We're going to be doing Dream Scenario with Nick Cage. Now, before I get going on this, what's your favourite Marvel film? Put your answer below. I want to know. Back in the day, it used to be you knew where you stood with your superheroes. You knew where they came from. They had an origin story. You might not have liked their outfit. And now it just feels like there are so many different kind of tiny little superheroes, not with big stories or big backstory coming off the small screen, off Disney Plus, off series and things like that. They're no longer super. They're sort of everyday heroes. I think what makes many of these superheroes really intriguing and attractive and watchable and compelling and I think this is the superhero idea, is that they are like gods. They're like spectacular gods, you know, Batman, Superman. But they have their fallibilities and their weaknesses. So they're even in strength and superpowers. There's vulnerabilities. There's some aspect of them that's, that's human. So this is the Marvels. Now, this is essentially, I suppose, a follow up within the Marvel Cinematic Universe to Captain Marvel, which starred Brie Larson. I would be lying if I said it was one of my favourites. It wasn't. It was one of my least favourites until... Eternals came along and then that became my least favourite. I just think the films are getting more and more complicated in all the wrong areas. It's like a tessellated diagram or puzzle. I feel like there are so many bits to the Marvel Cinematic Universe that if you're not watching one part of it, you're going to miss out on a micro detail that means you, that you don't get the next bit or you don't get what's going on in the next film or the next series or what have you. So we've got Loki going on at the moment. Didn't get into the first series of that. I tell you, one of my problems with all of this stuff coming out of Marvel at the moment is it feels like, and this is no disrespect to Doctor Who fans, it feels like, it doesn't even feel like this is the problem, a sort of slightly posher version of Doctor Who. It's feeling like Doctor Who. The green screen is everywhere. The standing in front of things is everywhere. The special effects are, yeah, that's what you're going for in a superhero film. But in a weird way, I think I'm beginning to wonder whether I'd rather the complete immersion into animation in something like Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and all that kind of stuff, than necessarily this halfway house, where more and more ludicrously fantastical things are being parked around bodies that look less and less like they're in them. If they look like they were in them, I think it would be less of a problem. Anyway. These are my overarching issues with superhero films. I think we've hit the skids. I think we, we've hit the end of the road. I think we've hit something quite profound. And I think superhero films are in real trouble. So going into this review, I feel a little bit like um, a sort of six former about to beat up uh, a 12 year old. That's how I feel, because I don't really feel this is fair. Um, it's slightly spun off, as I say, from Captain Marvel. It's also spun off from Miss Marvel, the series that was on Disney+. Plus. I think Miss Marvel, I didn't watch one episode, uh, saw the trailer, um, it, seemed, it seemed to be quite consciously appealing to much younger, a much younger demographic. And whilst I was sitting watching this film, and the reason I went to see this film late, was because I genuinely wanted to escape any emotional thinking. I wanted to be transported into just the fantastical, total escapism, immersiveness, all that kind of stuff. I just wanted to be challenged by something complete that didn't make me think about something deep and meaningful. But this did make me think about something deep and meaningful. It made me think about the deep and meaningful end of a genre that has delivered many hours of enjoyment. So let's move through it. And there are some real problems with this because this is a principally female-led cast and that's not the problem with it. And yet, I think for many, it will be perceived as the problem with it. 
I actually think the three lead actresses in this, Brie Larson, Tiona Paris and Iman Vellani, the three of them, this, this, at its best, this film is a female buddy movie, which you don't get too often. It's a female buddy movie. I thought their camaraderie, I thought the chemistry, I thought their interaction was good. I thought they had the right amount of cheeky chat. I thought they, I thought they were in command of scenes when they were together. They understood each other. It was really nice. So I thought that was really good. I was particularly enamoured with Iman Vellani, who plays uh, Kamala Khan. I think that's her name, Kamala Khan. And again, as I say, I don't know the intricacies and the the wherefores and the origins and all that kind of stuff. But what I do know is as I'm watching this film, I'm thinking, I know her, she's in that Disney Plus series. I know her, Brie Larson, she comes from she comes from uh, Captain Marvel. And I kind of know her, Tiona Paris. So yeah, so Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. The first question I need to ask. I'm sorry, I've got to ask a question. Why the fuck are we doing Captain Marvel? Like, was anyone into Captain Marvel? Was she, was she, he, it? Was they, Carol, Carol Danvers? Was she ever anything of any note? I don't know. I don't know if she was. I think I feel like Marvel have tried tried to force feed us a superhero here that we don't necessarily want. I mean, I think one of the interesting observations I've heard from some some quarters is that maybe one of the problems with Captain Marvel, the original film, and her portrayal in this, and whether we as a viewer are kind of like particularly invested in her, is that we haven't seen her origin story. We haven't got to know where she's come from or what she's like. I mean, all we keep being told by Kevin Feige and everyone is she's the strongest, strongest, strongest superhero in the world. But I don't really care. There's some really sort of clumsy kind of exposition whereby uh, Kamala Khan has, uh, she has an amulet, um, a, a baddie gets an ambulance, the baddie is played by Zor Ashton, and it's a quantum band. Where's the other quantum band? She wants super, she wants control of all sorts of stuff, and it's that sort of stuff again. It's that, this real kind of, you know, it's, it's real kind of basic superhero stuff, this. Uh, but, and what we discover is, is that Kamala Khan has the other one. And, and so we get this, so we have a sort of triumvirate, we have a triad of sort of Marvel-esque, the Marvels, uh, superheroes, who can all interact with each other. And when they engage in using their superpowers, which seems to involve light and transforming light into various different things in different ways for each of them, that when they enact their superpower, they enter a portal, disappear and uh, reappear as one of the other three. So we had this kind of neat, funny little scene where they were all kind of practicing, you know, it's that sort of like, you know, let's do let's do sort of basketball practice uh, and, and let's catch balls and we'll do our powers and we'll see if we can catch them, all this kind of stuff. So you've got that kind of thing. You've got Kamala Khan's kind of idolizing Captain Marvel. So she's kind of, like, oh, you're a star and you're, you're talking to me and you recognize me. And then you've got, you know, Tiona Paris, who I thought was lovely. She, she was good fun. She's got beef. She's got some beef with Brie Larson's character and all that kind of stuff. And then around all of this, I mean, they're involved in a, in a quantum entanglement. This is like a Jada Pinkett Smith kind of nightmare writ large in superhero land. It's like a quantum entanglement. And we have all the classic stuff in this. You know, there's a, a rip in the space-time continuum, which is always hexagonal. It's always arcing above you. There's always a tessellated piece of it missing. There's always stuff coming through it. And it always means that you can jump in time, space and, and anything, anywhere, at any time. And I'm, I'm sick to the back fucking teeth of this stuff. Is anyone else? Is anyone else? Is anyone else bored of quantum realms and quantum entanglements and, and multiverses and, and jumping through time and popping up in different places? So, so this film was absolutely stuffed to the gills with this kind of stuff. 
But that said, at the heart of it, as I say, there's quite a nice rapport between these three essential Marvels, these these marvellous Marvels, these three superheroes. I enjoyed it most whenever we had sort of Kamala Khan or Miss Marvel's uh, family around her, you know, lots of kind of in-jokes or not that in-jokes, but, you know, joke, cultural jokes about an Indian family and all that kind of stuff, which was, you know, nice to see. Uh, lots of kind of riffing between, um, I thought Brie Larson seemed very sort of... If I'm really honest, I don't think she looks particularly comfortable in a in a space suit or a super superhero suit. Um, I, I don't know if she's necessarily suited to this, to be honest with you. And so she's a, it's a curious character, Captain Marvel. I don't really know. I don't really see the point of her. I don't see what she's got to offer. I don't. I can't really work out what her what's her dark, twisted origin or deep seated kind of issues. What what's the darkness? Where's the darkness? Um, so I enjoyed I enjoyed the Kamala Khan character. She was fun. She's sweet. I do think Iman Vellani is lovely. She's a lovely, lovely little actress. Little actress. She was great fun. Um, uh, Zor Ashton, you know, she's a British actress. She played the villain. She was kind of all right. Again, it's that problem that she was quite English. So, you know, it's very plummy, very sort of formal. And, you know, she had a great big hammer and she'd hammer in the morning and then she'd hammer in the evening and then she'd hammer all over this land. Um, so you had, and you had, I'll tell you one of the things I also noticed in this film, which is particularly frustrating is Marvel have got a major problem with their supporting cast, extras. It's like a scene from a bad panto. They have lots of moments where, I don't know, something happens outside a window or in a vista or in the landscape or on a spaceship. And then all the extras in the room who have increasingly stupid looking plastic heads on. So more and more of it is looking, as I say, Doctor Who-esque. And I'm not being insulting to Doctor Who, but Doctor Who has a tiny micro BBC budget comparatively. So they run around with a really obviously rubber head, which have kind of been designed with no real regard for sophistication or complexity like the original Star Wars films. You don't believe these erases. You just think, oh, there's someone in a kind of, I don't know, sort of prosthetics workshop looking through a kid's book going, this will be good, let's put gills here, let's put nostrils here, and, and they just look fucking stupid. But anyway, so all, this, all the extras in the background of all the shots in this, in this film, they just all sort of move forward and they're all looking at each other like a really bad, like really bad supporting cast at a really bad panto in Wimbledon. That's what it felt like. That's what it felt like at times. Really bad. Shuffling around. Bad extras direction. It was just awful. So you've got a lot of that going on. There were a couple of really, I think, standout moments that were possibly this film's sort of, you know, best bits. And what were they? Well, one of them, one of the best bits, I'm about to say, is in fact one of the worst bits. They, they land in a planet or on a planet or in, in amongst a group of people where Carol Danvers is this sort of princess heroine or hero, saviour. Uh, and they only speak through the medium of singing. And it, the whole film turned into, I literally thought I'd taken acid or eating mushrooms, or that I had fully fused my cerebral cortex with whoever had created the new John Lewis Christmas advert, because none of it made any sense. They're all singing badly. They're all singing, they're all in song. It was, it, I got, I get right armpit when I'm really embarrassed. When I'm really embarrassed by something, I start to sweat copiously from my right armpit. I, I got massive right armpit. I mean, they were singing. This was like, this was like, this was just ghastly. It was like Mamma Mia. It was like Mamma Mia had hijacked a superhero film. And I was like, they didn't even, it wasn't even arched in the way that, say, I don't know, in Thor, they would have really run with it and taken the piss out of it. It was, they didn't, it was just, it was presented for what it was. So it was one note and it was bad and it was eggy and it was awful. And the costumes were awful and they were all bad extras and they're all wandering around in a really shit way. So we all go, oh, let's all wander over here. Oh, let's all wander Honestly awful. There was then a scene, which I have to say was probably the best scene in the film, where I'm not even going to go into the details of this, but suffice it to say, if you've seen the trailer, and I might be running it underneath this as we go, there's a cat in it. I don't know if this cat, is this cat from the original Captain Marvel? I can't remember. 
again, a curious collision of two concepts. So this cat can fire an octopus-like set of tentacles out of its mouth and consume things and also take things into its body. Why? 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 I don't know. Anyway, so they had an opportunity to play with this riffing on the idea of nice, soft, cute cat. Anyway, so they have to evacuate everyone from somewhere to somewhere because someone, the woman with the hammer, is destroying their spaceship. And they they can't they can't fit into the escape pods. And I thought, well, yeah, this is good. This is a dilemma. You know, Nick Fury running around. I mean, poor old Samuel L. Jackson getting older and older. So he can't run as easily as he used to. So he's a bit of a sort of a labouring, lummoxing kind of type, sort of, you know, staggering around with his patch and... I think Nick Fury's had his moment. I think we've had enough of Nick Fury. Sorry, Samuel. You've given it everything you can, but I don't know. Samuel L. Jackson, it just seemed a bit odd. It seems a bit strange. Everything about it, it's almost like we've had 10, 15 years thinking all this stuff was good. And now we're coming out of some terrible trip and we're all kind of going, what the hell were we, were we into? What were we liking it? Anyway, so they have to all escape and they can't fit in the escape pod. So what do they do? These cats with their octopi tentacles swallow everyone into them so you can fit cats in you can fit more cats into a, a capsule than you can humans and what was funny about this sequence and it was the funniest sequence was that as it was happening they were playing the music from cats the musical which is a double irony because cats the musical widely considered so bad it's still bad it's not one of those so bad it's good it's just so bad it's so bad uh, was the ironic moment in a superhero film that for me actually to be honest with you was so bad and it got no better, even by invoking the music from the worst musical committed to film. With, yes, admittedly, a kind of funny little sequence where sweet little pussycats were petrifying people, even though they were saving them. So even the kind of gag around, if the cat was genuinely dangerous, if these pussycats were genuinely dangerous and they were killing people, that would have been funnier. Because then when you cut to them sort of looking all preening and licking their balls and all that kind of stuff, and then they eat you. It's like, ooh. But actually, people were scared of them. But they shouldn't have been because they were saving them. So why would you be scared of them? So even that didn't work. Even that didn't work. And so the long and the short of it is, I still feel like a six former who's really sort of beaten up an 11 year old, actually, because um, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It didn't hold together. It was weak. I was really disappointed because Nia da Costa is the director of Candyman, the remake, the Candyman of 2021. And in fact, Tiona Paris uh, was the star of Candyman. She 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 was in it. She was she, she was she was incredibly good in it. Candyman. If you haven't seen Candyman, it's absolutely sensational. It's brilliant. Uh, she also starred in If Beale Street Could Talk, which was which was which was also brilliant too. But I mean, this was this was bad. I mean, this felt like you know someone somewhere at the top of Marvel needs to really be taken to the headmaster's room. But who who is the headmaster? Is it Kevin Feige? Is it Bob Iger? Who is it? Because I don't think they, either of them have got a clue what to do. Someone has to get Marvel out of this quantum entanglement because it's an absolute mess. Potentially, the only exciting moment was the end credit sequence where, spoiler, 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 uh, we get Kelsey Grammer playing Beast. It looks like the X-Men are coming back. And if I'm really honest, the X... Am I on my... I mean, I know, look, I'm going to get all sorts of insults now, aren't I? I've, I've always found the X-Men shit. Sorry, I'm just going to put it out there. I've always thought the X-Men was shit. I've always thought it was really embarrassing. And it looks like it's going to be embarrassing again. It's like, why? Did, why? Find other... Find, it's like we are literally scraping the bottom of the barrel. We need to bring Iron Man back. We need to do something. Something dramatic has to happen. Um, it just... It's not looking good. And what are these? Are these the new Avengers? Have we got Have we got the new... Are these the new young Avengers, the new Avengers? Because if they are, they're not strong enough. 
you know, yes, representation is good. Yes, um, you know, inclusivity is good. But I'm slightly worried that, you know, what has happened here actually is, is tragic because three very strong actresses have been brought together. Where they were at their best, they were great. They weren't serviced by a brilliant script nor a very well-conceived film. Uh, they made the most of it and it wasn't their fault. But what will happen now is it's going to be felt that the one film that was kind of principally a female-orientated film was the worst performing film in the cinematic universe. And of course, we, everyone draws simple conclusions from that. This was badly written, badly directed, badly conceived. I don't even necessarily think it was badly directed because the woman, you know, Nia da Costa can direct well. This was just bad. It was just everything about it. I mean, but even the characters, who's drawn to them? Who's drawn to Miss Marvel? She's great. The young actress is absolutely brilliant. Iman Vellani as as uh, Kamala Khan. But uh, from what I hear, it was one of the least watched shows on Disney Plus. Even though, obviously, the thing is, there's always someone who likes something in these. This didn't add anything, and I'm sick to death of seeing that tessellated hexagonal arch in the sky with people running around trying to fix it. Just fix it. What basically that tessellated hexagonal arch in the sky is Marvel's writing team who can't write. They need to get in a whole bunch of new scriptwriters. They need to get scriptwriters in who have a strong sense of characterization, storytelling, and you need one person, not lots of them, all writing a load of old shit and chucking it all together. This film was just disappointing. I, I couldn't have even, I can even recommend this film as a film for youngsters. Youngsters are too sophisticated for this stuff. They really are. Um, and for me, this was a really sad, it wasn't even so bad, it was unlikable. It was just so bad, it was just ordinarily boring. I mean, they've got to do something sensational to dig themselves out of this deep, deep hole. But am I being too harsh? Tell us what you think. Did you like it? Is there much to be liked in it? I have given you the few crumbs I think were worthy, which was female camaraderie, a bit of nice chemistry. The villain was shit. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson was just running around, not looking particularly fit and really focused or didn't really know what was going on. And the story was bad and it was repetitious and just achingly awful, embarrassing scenes like the singing planet. I mean, people who just sing. Oh, God, no.